0: Today's first scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Please turn in your Pew Bibles to page 1027 to follow along. 1027. guest room available for them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's second scripture reading comes from Luke 2 as well. Please follow along. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This also is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, a blessed and Merry Christmas to each one of you. Thank you for coming. Thank you, especially for those of you who were here last night and enjoyed that absolutely delightful walk through many of the Bible sections as well as the music to explain the coming of God in the person of Jesus Christ to us. So, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you also, those who are joining us on Zoom. We wish all of you a most blessed Christmas. Today we are looking at these verses that have been read to us from Luke and they describe to us of course the birth of Jesus but as they were being read I'm certain that you noticed that Luke the actual physical part of him being born is concluded in one or two verses there's a description about what is happening in the world prior to that And then there is the birth. And one would think, wow, this is God coming. This is one of the most significant events in all of the history of mankind. And yet, he concises it in about two verses. And then he goes on in the rest of the chapter, and he explains what happens after that. And it's a different way that Luke is explaining rather than what Matthew explained. But, of course, in chapter 1, he's talked about the supernatural coming of God to Mary. And about the birth of John the Baptist. And he's spoken and he's written about all of these things. But here, he wants to give us these ideas or to record for us these specific events that have happened. And as you look at it, what he does initially about this decree from Caesar Augustus in the time of Quinius, governor of Syria. In these verses, he locks into history, into a non-biblical history, but a true history, just as the Bible explains it to us, that we can never doubt the timing of the coming of Jesus. And not only is it this, but... In these verses we see the amazing movement of God within the lives of humans because I am certain as this man Caesar Augustus decided to have a census or a registration of every person in their dominion. It's interesting, one of the writers have written many articles about these things, one of the writers says that all the world is to be registered or to be in a census. In other words, they considered only those people who were part of their kingdom counted for anything. Anyone outside didn't deserve to be registered, so to speak. Interesting. I think humanity has not changed a lot in 2,000 years. Isn't that one of the tragedies of human life? We think with all of the years and all of the things that we have been able to invent and develop that somehow within the very depth of our soul there would be this development of character and person that would make us just thankful. And yet again and again we see this, the human heart has not changed unless God himself changes it. And so these events that Luke records for us puts the birth of Jesus very clearly into a specific time, and then it links us to, links it as well within this time of census. But as I was saying, Caesar Augustus certainly didn't think, well, I'm going to fulfill the prophecy of God. No, 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 no. But man was moving and say, doing what they thought they would do to benefit and yet God was moving because in this then Joseph has to get up from Nazareth with his very pregnant wife Mary have you ever done journeys with now you don't need to look at me at this point because I realize I've just asked a very embarrassing question and I was going to say because I did this is have you ever taken a very pregnant wife on a trip we were blessed with four children we love each one of them dearly I do not remember which one it was but one was a little bit late and as we were driving around I remember my wife saying to me there's some railroad tracks over here maybe we could hit those a little hard a little bounce to facilitate whatever was happening. But of course by the end um, it was a geburt as the doctors told us came very quickly anyway. But you see could you imagine placing your wife very pregnant on a donkey and taking this journey. As a good husband he wasn't automatically thinking I'm going to take my wife to the city of Bethlehem. But this decree, this order, this census, which is placed in uniquely within history that we know that God was moving on that day in that place has brought David or has brought Joseph and Mary to the city of David which has been prophesied there the Messiah will be born. And so it is fulfilled in that and we see God moving in this way and David city because he was of the house and lineage of David. Why that? Because God had promised to David, from you will come one who will have a throne that lasts forever. And so he has come. And we see these amazing things. And then, of course, because there were so many people coming to the smaller town of Bethlehem... There was no place for them to find accommodation, and they ended up staying in an animal stable, which then again fulfills that word which is going to come to the shepherds of the exact place to find him, because he will be laid in a manger. Now, those are kind of that's somewhat the content of those first seven verses where Luke then gives to us locking into history, this birth. And then the verses 8 on to 14, it seems as if God's spirit, as he is inspiring Luke to write, has then almost like a focus, like a, that, a light that is a spotlight for us to look upon. And what it is repeated here again and again is this message that God is going to give to the shepherds. I enjoyed that children's sermon very much. I think adults get more out of the children's sermon than children. And I really love them. And I, you know, they explained to us so nicely and so well what, who shepherds are. It reminded me as that was being shared this morning... This is last week, actually, a man who was deeply, deeply influential in shaping my faith. Uh, A person who lived nearby as a neighbor. I worked for him for many years as a youth. Uh, He just went into hospice. And the reason I remembered him is because he also owned many sheep. And I have many experiences about sheep. One time we would come back after working all day on his farms and then feed the sheep that he had getting ready for market. And many of these sheep were so wise, they could push their head through this woven wire fence, but they pushed the head through, their ears would come forward, and they could not pull their head out. And so we would come back at 10 or 11 at night after doing the rest of the farming and feed the sheep, and he would go around and push the sheep's heads back through And I remember, a very godly person, the hardest words I ever heard him say, but in laughter, to the sheep were were these words, you lop-eared idiots, you. And then he would push the head back through. Now why do I tell you that story? Not very Christmassy. But what he said to me one time, I said to him, Tuffy, why do you raise sheep? The other domesticated animals are so much wiser. And he said, that's true. He said, one thing you will notice. He said, many farmers start with sheep because it's good money. And then after a few years, they get rid of the flock. Why? Because that's what sheep are like. But then he turned to me and he said, he said, Dennis, if you want to be a shepherd, the one qualification is you must love the sheep. I have never forgotten that because God says that Jesus has come as the good shepherd. God so loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he goes on and he, the, we see in these verses and this message that comes to the shepherds. And in it it says an angel appeared or an angel stood next to them in part of the translations. It's an amazing thing. And then the glory of God shone round about them. And and that word in the original means kind of like a halo. Not a halo on their head, but literally that the glory of God surrounded them. Can you imagine that sitting there with your sheep at the middle of the night or whatever time it was in that day? And suddenly God comes. The very glory of God surrounds you. And suddenly there is this being from eternity, an angel standing next to you. (laughs) Can you imagine the words? Very fitting. Do not be afraid. This is a moment when God comes. And I don't know about you, but there are some moments when we sense God coming. And that is an awesome moment, isn't it? But what God wants to communicate to us again and again is that's not a moment for fear because sometimes whatever the message is going to be about it's going to be something that deals with our fear. It's going to be about the Messiah that hope. And it seems to me that within our hearts as hope struggles with fear the only way that hope comes and succeeds taking away or conquering the fear is when hope becomes reality. And then fear is dealt with. And as the angel says, and I bring you a message of good news, of great joy. How is hope? You see, joy is not just an emotion that someone puts together. Joy always comes as a result of seeing or experiencing something. And he says at that moment, This is an amazing thing. The angel then appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled or greatly afraid. Then listen to what the angel says to them And fear not, I bring you good news, great joy for all people. So the first thing is not to fear, but God is moving. You know, we don't ever think about the idea that sometimes we need to be told at Christmas, don't be afraid. You see, it's true. God has come. But sometimes within the depth of our heart, I don't know about you, but when I listen to the news, when I do these other times, sometimes there's anxiety that comes. And there is this moment when hope needs to win the struggle in hearts with fear. And the way God has ordained that is that when hope becomes reality, it deals with fear. And that's one of the messages that came as they spoke to them. Then he went on and said that this is good news for all people. That means you and me, each one of us. That will be of great joy. And look at what he says to them. Then that's kind of the general idea of the message, kind of the, the framework about which then come the specifics. And the specifics are a Savior, the Messiah, Christ the Lord, is born. So this idea that today for you, to each one of us, remember the message is for the shepherds, but for all people. And so he is sp- spoken to us that today in the city of David is born for us. There is that moment in history when God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. He is born. And it goes on and says, he is The Savior, we look at that and say, well, why do we need a Savior? That's in Matthew, they say, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. The Bible tells us there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus said himself. In Romans, as Paul writes, he says, If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth him as Lord, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes the justification. In other words, we believe that he came and he died and he rose. And the reason he died was that he took all of our guilt. And God, in the person of Jesus, paid the price. And in confessing, we have salvation. You know, that's the message of Christmas. A Savior has come. And He is Christ, or He's the Messiah. He is the one who God promised at the very beginning, there will come one who will crush the head of evil. And there will be one who's born of a virgin. And he will be born in the city of Bethlehem to fulfill all that God has said. And he comes. And then it goes on, and if you look at that, it says also this Messiah is the Lord, is God. God coming in that person of Jesus Christ. Now, so there is the message. And the last verses that were read to us Talk about the responses. It's really quite something, isn't it? Shepherds had an amazing response. They just went and said, let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened. In other words, when the glory came of God, you see, the whole truth is, isn't it? If God exists, then think of this amazing thing that he is coming and he is speaking you see, he speaks to them. The shepherds say, Let us go and see what the Lord has made known to us. Now, what is very difficult in our English Bibles to pick up, and if you read several translations, we'll see that they, at this point, what the Lord has made known, or this thing that has happened to us. But there in verse uh, 15, this thing that has happened. And then in verse 17, it talks about spreading the word of what we've seen or to make known and then Mary treasured these things the actual word in the original is not about things it's a really unique word it's the word rema and it literally means the spoken word of god you know in john chapter 1 verse 1 it says and the wo- in the beginning was the word and that and the word was with god And the word was God. That word in the original is logos, which we all know, signifying God in the person of Jesus Christ. But then there's this other word, which is also translatable, the word. And here in these verses, that is the word rhema, rhema, which means God spoken. And so what was happening when when that glory of God shone? And the angel, it was God speaking through the voice of his angel to them. And the shepherds recognized that this is a God happening. God has spoken. And they said, let's go and see this speaking of God to us, if it has truly happened or not. Let's go and see. And so they went, and it says, And they saw this Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that which God had said to them. And concerning this child, it's amazing, isn't it? God spoke. And they heard and they went and they saw what God had spoken to them is true. It reminds me of as we studied 1 John together. Remember how John in chapter 1 begins, and he who was with him at the beginning, he has come, and I heard him, and I saw him, and I touched him. This reality. And then it goes on and it says not only that, that, but in the next verse it talks about how everyone in verse 18, and all who heard it, now that was an interesting response. All who heard it wondered or were amazed. Oh, That's kind of like going to a Christmas party and thinking all the time. Now is that big present under the tree mine or not? Or what are we having for lunch? Did Grandma do a turkey again this year? Or is it ham? Or what might it be? You see, they said, oh yes, that's wonderful shepherds. God spoke to you. But let's get on with the celebration. They were only amazed. But then it goes on and it talks in the next verse, verse 19, about Mary. And it uses that she treasured up, or she... Re- looked at these things, she evaluated these things, it says uh, odd word, she pondered them in her heart, in other words, she looked at how they fit into everything, but she, it says again, it uses this word, these things, meaning this rhema of God, this spoken word of God, you know, God had come to her through an angel, and had spoken to her through that angel, Mary, you are chosen, And you can imagine then as she went and visited her her cousin Elizabeth and, and Elizabeth explained to her what was happening as she walked into the room. Oh yes, that would have been. But then she was pregnant and now she's just gone on this journey and on a donkey and then she's given birth in a stable. You could think about that and then suddenly these shepherds come and say, oh, but God spoke. And this is what he said. We would find the Messiah lying in a manger, freshly born, wrapped in swaddling clothing. And she treasured that because God had spoken through them to her again. And it goes on and on as God speaks to them. And then the shepherds go back, it says, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and what had been told to them. So what is Christmas all about? Luke would tell us it's the message from God. It's the spoken message of God. So The writer to the book of Hebrews puts it this way. Long ago and many times in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And we read those. We know they're true. We know there are prophecies about Jesus' coming. But then listen to verse 2. But in these last days, He has spoken to us in or by His Son. So God spoke through the prophets. God spoke as He inspired His Bible to be written. But also God has spoken to us through His Son. And it's almost as if when there were no longer words adequate to describe how much God loved us and what God desired for our lives and that God wanted to deal with us and move within us, bring forgiveness and eternal life, that when there were no longer words that were adequate to express the heart of God, He thou speaks, Son, to us. He's the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of His nature upholds the universe by His power. And then He goes on and describes Him for what the angels did God ever say? You are my Son, today I have begotten you. Or I will be to Him a Father and He to me a Son. And again, when the, He brings the firstborn into the world, Christmas. the angels will worship him. That's exactly what we read this morning. So let me just end with this question. It's Christmas. Have you heard God speaking? You see, Luke would tell us the great thing about Christmas is it's a message from God. of joy, of peace with all men with whom he is pleased. You see, herein is the love of God described that while we were yet sinners, God sent his son to die for us. In that moment, God reaches out for us. And I would just ask you this morning, Have you heard God speaking recently? Are you honest enough to allow the Spirit of God to search our hearts? Because Christmas is a time of joy and a time of peace, but that peace only comes as God is within us. So may you celebrate Christmas today. And my prayer for each one of you is that each one of us hear the message of God. He's alive. He speaks. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time this morning, for your presence with us, for your loving us, and for your being with us. And yet, Lord, we think of this incredible thing, that there was a day locked into history where you came and you sent your Son. And then you loved us so much that you sent your angels and spoke through them this message to the shepherds. And you clarified to them that this was the fulfilling of what you had promised. But Lord, I pray for each one of us here today that we might understand this is a message of joy. And Lord, whatever one might fear, that that hope that has become reality in Christ would replace that in our lives. And I pray for each one who's here today. Might we really hear and experience God speaking to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are not limited. In Jesus' name we pray and ask your blessing. Amen. We're going to continue with communion. And so we would like you to prepare yourself for this. You know, the Bible tells us that just before Jesus Jesus was crucified, he celebrated the Passover feast with his disciples. And as he did, he told them how much he really desired to eat this time with them, that meal with them. And it says during that session, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, Eat, this is my body which is given for you. And then at the end, he also took the cup, it says, which is the cup of redemption, and he poured it out and he gave it to them and asked each one to drink of it, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Now, as we come and we think about doing communion or having communion partaking in communion on Christmas day it's quite a unique uh, application Christmas is the beginning and this is a memorial something that reminds us that Christmas is linked to Easter it's all part of the plan of God but there is this moment in our human history from which there is no reversing when God came and he came in the person of the Son of God to be here with us and not just to come and to say blessed be all humanity peace and joy but to give himself that says in Colossians chapter 2 verses 13 through 15 that on the day he was on the cross God the Father took and nailed all of the guilt everything that stood between you and me to the cross, literally to the body of Jesus Christ, that he took all of our guilt, that it was placed upon him, and God himself in the person of Jesus was the substitute for you and me. Then in eternity, evil could never say it was not enough, because it was God. And they could never say it was not fair, because he was also fully human. And he paid our price. And then Jesus encouraged his disciples to eat. And then as Paul writes about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, just as I receive from the Lord, I give to you. That on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He took and gave them the bread and said, eat, this is my body. And then he gave them the cup and he said, drink, this is my new covenant in my blood. And then he says to them, But let each person search himself before he partakes. Because this partaking doesn't mean it makes us more holy. But he says, but why does he significantly say this? Because this is a moment when we stop and we allow ourselves to search our depth of our soul. And then Paul goes on and writes, but then after we have searched ourselves, so then we would repent, we would bring that to God, open the door to him. And then he says, then doing that, then come and partake. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to have uh, bread and the cup here and over here. And so those of you who are up above, please today, if you would come down as well and come from the outside come and take the bread and eat and to take the cup and drink and then put it back and then go back through the center. But remember as you come, as he said, this is represents my body. This represents the new covenant in my blood. The new covenant says very simply, I will put my law in their mind. I will write it on their heart. I will be their God. They will be my people. You will not need to have others teach you for I will teach you. And then the great, final phrase and I will remember your sin no more so let me pray and then come as you are ready to do that Uh, we also have for those who prefer bread without gluten thank you I apologize my mind always goes empty at that word and if you would like to come and are not really quite right, ready for this and prefer to just ask for a prayer of blessing, just come and put your hands like this and I'll know that we'll pray a blessing for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to celebrate this memorial that you have left for us. Because you have said at the end of that, every time you do this, you proclaim the death of Jesus Christ until He comes again. And Lord, that's why we want to do this. Because you've left it to us as a memorial, as something to cause our minds to remember, and that hope, joy in you to be real in us. So we ask, Lord, guide, lead each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So could those who are going to help, please come, and then as soon as